Chapter thirty seven of The Precipice by Ivan Goncharov, translated by M. Bryant. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. As soon as Raisky reached St. Petersburg, he hurried off to find Kirillov. He felt an impulse to touch his friend to assure himself that Kirillov really stood before him and that he had not started on the journey without him. He repeated to him his ardent confidence that his artistic future lay in sculpture. "'What new fancy is this?' asked Kirillov, frowning and painly expressing his mistrust. "'When I got your letter, I thought you were mad. You have one talent already. Why do you want to follow a side-track? Take a pencil, go to the academy and buy this,' he said, showing him a thick book of lithographed anatomical drawings. "'What do you want with sculpture?' it is too late i feel i have the right touch here he said rubbing his fingers one against the other whether you have the right touch or not it is too late why too late there is an ensign i know who wields the chisel with great success an ensign yes but you with your gray hair kirillov emphasized his remarks with a vigorous shake of the head raisky would wrangle with him no longer he spent three weeks in the studio of a sculptor and made acquaintance with the students there at home he worked zealously visited with the sculptor and his students the isaac cathedral where he stood in admiration before the work of vitali and he spent many hours in the galleries of the hermitage overwhelmed with enthusiasm he urged kirillov to start at once for italy and rome he had not forgotten Leontis' commission and sought out Yuliana Andreevna in her lodgings. When he entered the corridor, he heard the strains of a waltz and, he thought, the voice of Kozlov's wife. He sent in his name and with it Leontis' letter. After a time, the servant, with an air of embarrassment, came to tell him that Yuliana Andreevna had gone with a party of friends to Tsarskoe Selo and would travel direct from there to moscow raisky did not think it necessary to mention this incident to leonti his former guardian had sent him a considerable sum raised by the mortgage of his estate and with this in hand he set out with kirillov at the beginning of january for dresden he spent many hours of every day in the gallery and paid an occasional visit to the theatre Raisky pressed his fellow-traveller to go farther afield. He wanted to go to Holland, to England, to Paris. "'What should I do in England?' asked Kirillov. "'There all the art treasures are in private galleries to which we have no access, and the public museums are not rich in great works of art. If you are determined to go, you must go by yourself from Holland. I will wait for you in Paris.' Raisky agreed to this proposition. He only stayed a fortnight in England, however, and was very much impressed by the mighty sea of social life. Then he hastened back to his eager study of the rich art treasures of Paris. But he could not possess his soul in the confusion and noisy merriment in the incessant entertainments of Paris. In the early spring the friends crossed the Alps, even while he abandoned himself to the new impressions which nature art and a different race made on his mind 
Raisky found that the dearest and nearest ties still connected him with Tatiana Markovna, Vera, and Marfinka. When he watched the towering crests of the waves at sea or the snow-clad mountain tops, his imagination brought before him his aunt's noble grey head. Her eyes looked at him from the portraits of Velasquez and Gerard Dow, just as Murillo's women reminded him of Vera, and he recalled Marfinka's charming face as he looked at the masterpieces of Goethe, or even at the women of Raphael. Vera's form flitted before him on the mountainside. He saw once more before him the precipice overlooking the narrow plain of the Volga, and fought over again the despairing struggle from which he had emerged. In the flowery valleys Vera beckoned to him under another aspect, offering her hand with her affectionate smile. So his memories followed him even as he contemplated the mighty figures of nature, art, and history as they were revealed in the mountains and the plains of Italy. He gave himself up to these varied emotions with a passionate absorption which shook the foundations of his physical strength. In Rome he established himself in a studio which he shared with Kirillov and spent much of his time in visiting the museums and the monuments of antiquity. Sometimes he felt he had suddenly lost his appreciation of natural beauty, and then he would shut himself up and work for days together. Another time he was absorbed in the crowded life of the city, which appeared to him as a great, crude, moving picture in which the life of bygone centuries was reflected as in a mirror. Through all the manifestations of this rich and glowing existence, he remained faithful to his own family, and he was never more than a guest on the foreign soil. In his leisure hours his thoughts were turned homewards. He would have liked to absorb the eternal beauty of nature and art, to saturate himself with the history revealed in the monuments of Rome, in order that he might take his spiritual and artistic gains back to Malinovka. The three figures of Vera, Marfinka, and his little mother Tatiana Markovna stretched out beckoning hands to him and calling him to herself with even greater insistence than these was another mightier figure the great mother russia herself end of chapter 37 end of the precipice by ivan goncharov translated by m bryant recorded by tavarish